And welcome to our Jackson Home. This week I am joined by Paul Taylor. He is the Jack of All Trades or the Director of Construction and Engineering at uh, Gary A. Taylor Investments. That's right. Um, uh, and we'll talk more about that part of your life here in a little bit. Sure. Um, but so, Paul, you're a man about town. Um, I usually see you at some sort of food location. Right. Uh, I think Food Giant, uh, Donuts and More. Um, Farmer's Market. Farmer's Market. Yeah. Um, at least the three. I think there's one more, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, so uh, I see you around about, and, and I, I bet pe- other people do too. Um, so where where is someone, who is Paul Taylor, and where is someone likely to see you at? Well, uh, I mean, I'm everywhere. I'm north, south, east, and west, mm-hmm. all about town. Um, yeah, I'm from Jackson. Uh, grew up here. Um, uh, both of my parents are from the area as well. Um, and my wife's from Jackson. She okay. she's uh, uh, she graduated from JCM in 2002, and I graduated from USJ that same year. Um, and uh, yeah, I've got two children, mm-hmm. um, Wilder and Holden. Uh, one is uh, six years old, and the other is about to be two. Okay. And so they've they've really in, injected a lot of life into us, yeah, you know, in, in direction and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the quick synopsis. Yeah. And so what uh, what do you do for fun, Paul? I know you've got a big Jeep. Right. Oh well, last weekend we went up to well two weekends ago we went up to uh, Natchez Trace and uh, and rode some of the fire roads over there and then rode the uh, pipeline, which I'm not sure if that's if that's on the up and up, but, uh, but yeah, we did do it and it was fun. I mean, it's awesome having that kind of asset this close to Jackson and to be able to take, you know, four wheel drive vehicles mm-hmm. up there and explore is it's, it's incredible. That's neat. I yeah. haven't done that before. Uh, the only time I've been in Natchez Trace, I've been for like little retreats. Right. So you don't actually get to explore the area. Yeah. And I'd never been up there before and, and didn't really, one of our goals this year, uh, was to get out and, and, and touch each one of our state or, or national parks within the area. Okay. And so we're trying to get up to Mouse Tail, get yeah. over Chickasaw, kind of, we canoe a lot. And so we like being outdoors and the yeah. boys like being outdoors. So we try to, to, you know, put them in those kind of environments. I think Tom Miners is trying to do something very similar. Oh yeah. Maybe so, I need to get with Tom. Yeah. Y'all. Yeah. Uh, have you ever met Tom before? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Um, and sometimes he listens. So if you're listening, Tom, I think you're cool. Um, <laughs> So, uh, and then, and then where'd you go to school at, uh, college at? So I went to USJ when I graduated USJ, um, I went to Mississippi State University mm-hmm. and there, um, I got a, uh, bachelor's of mechanical engineering degree. And, uh, and then I went after my undergraduate, I got a, uh, a research assistantship, um, with CAVS, which is the Center for Advanced Vehicular Systems. And so I worked there doing, um, material research, um, on the Hummer, and on uh, and for parts on Nissan vehicles, and I did that for a year and a half, two years. It kind of that kind of bled together between the finishing of my undergraduate and my master's degree in mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I studied there for a while, and and in my last quarter or last semester at Mississippi State, um, a friend of mine was in the architecture department there, and he was doing he was getting his bachelor's in architecture, and he invited me to come to a critique of theirs. Uh, and I sat in on it. It was the first time I'd been really in the architecture realm, and uh, and everything just clicked for me. It was like I, yeah. I was kind of at a point where I was struggling with where my career path was going to lead me in engineering. Yeah. Uh, and so I I took a turn and decided to get a master's in architecture. And at the time, Mississippi State didn't offer a, a master's degree in that department. So my wife and I started looking at schools, and we ended up 
moving out to uh, San Diego and I got a master's degree in architecture uh, from the new school of architecture there in San Diego. Gotcha. As opposed to the old school. As 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 opposed as opposed to the old school. Yeah. So so uh, so architecture. That's that's architecture. a very specific. Yeah. Field. Not a lot of people do that. Well, see, I kind of grew up in it. My dad. Uh, when we were growing up, my dad owned a construction company, mm-hmm. and so from the time I was seven eight years old, I was sweeping floors, and I was doing that every summer. I didn't have the luxury that all my friends had, where they were just riding around having fun and swimming. Yeah. I was working on the job site every summer. Yeah. And so that was kind of ingrained in me, but at the same time I knew I had to either, I could live this life and be in doing grunt work, or I could use my brain to kind of get myself out of this. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, architecture just kind of encapsulated all of my interests. I mean, it was, I was really interested obviously in engineering and in design and, and creative problem solving and architecture kind of embodies all of that. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, do you have a favorite architect? Uh, Mies van der Rohe. Okay, something uh, famous they've he's designed. Yeah, he's he's up Chicago, um, uh, ITT, okay. um, the uh, Illinois Technical Institute. Uh, he's done a lot of their campus. He was the um, the chair of their architecture department for a number <laughs> of years, and uh, and so he had a big influence over that. Mm-hmm. And Frank Lloyd Wright, of course, in oh, the Chicago area. Yeah. I know you're a Midwestern guy, so you kind of you connect yep. with all that. I love Frank Lloyd Wright. My uh, my wife and I take a anniversary trip each year to a different state. Yeah. And a couple years ago in Indiana, I said we're going to go to this house in it's near Purdue. Uh, yeah. And I said we're going to go to this house by this guy, and she's like, "Why?" Because she never knows what we're doing until we get there. Sure. And she thought it was just the weirdest thing that we we're going to go to this private residence because it's still a private residence. And uh, and go look at this guy's house, and I was like, you don't under- you'll understand when we get there. And it was I can't remember which one it was now, but it was it's in West Lafayette, and uh, she loved it. Like yeah. it's something now that when we go to a different state, where you know I, I double check to see if you're, there's any. You're describing our road trips. I mean, oh, that's, okay. how, that's how we do. We plan if we're going somewhere, uh-huh. we try to plan to stop off and see some you know architectural yeah. monuments here and there uh, across our trip. But yeah. That's that's cool. Uh, but Frank Lloyd Wright, I mean, that's it, that's a great. He's a, I mean, now, now he he wasn't technically an architect. I mean, okay. he was an architect, but not licensed. Interesting. And so that he enters into the the debate about licensure and architecture and stuff oh. when that comes about. Didn't know that was yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we should have a town hall debate about. Yeah. Maybe we get to that. That's Maybe another. That. That's another podcast. Um, and then uh, and then how are you involved in the community? Well, I do. Um, I just try, I try to make myself available um, mm-hmm. to people, you know, here at the Co, uh, I'm a mentor. So if, if you have a, an issue, um, especially with the 3D printers or with the the, mm-hmm. uh, the CNC machine, part of my master's thesis in architecture revolved around using the CNC machine to fabricate housing. And so, um, cool. so I was pretty adept in understanding that technology yeah. when you guys got it. So I was really excited about having that come to Jackson and have that tool available. Mm-hmm. But as far as digital manufacturing tools, I, I help out here at the co with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, occasionally I'll get a call from Dan or something and say, Hey, yeah. uh, we got a guy scratching his head. Could you give him a call and talk him through this? Um, I work, uh, I'm on the board at hands up. Okay. So love I help. I love hands up. Yeah. Don has been in here. Um, and, uh, and we've been, um, moving forward with hands up and trying to, and, and continuing that vision of early childhood education. 
Um, I, I work with the Terranopolis group. Um, we'll maybe talk about them a little yeah, bit later. Yeah. Uh, and then downtown development, which has been a, a large investment of my time lately, but uh, I'm on the board at downtown development and we're, we're working to, uh, to continue to move downtown forward and mm-hmm. to continue that, the great um, impact and, and uh, that, that downtown's had and just continue to, to roll the ball. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of different things. Yeah, it's all over the place. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Um, well, Paul, let's head into the first break. And we'll come back and we'll talk more about um, the business that you're in and, and, and the way you use your architecture skills and things like that. And so so f- from between the Tennessee and Mississippi rivers, this is R. Jackson. Paul Taylor, he's the Director of Construction and Engineering at the Gary A. Taylor Investment Company. Um, now, just guessing, you're related to Gary Taylor. Yeah, he is my dad. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you you mentioned that earlier, that you've been in this since you were a kid, because that mm-hmm. was your dad's doing. So you you live and breathe this development stuff. Um, I don't think most people understand how development works, and, and I don't know that I even have that great of an idea. Um so why don't you drop some knowledge on us about like what, you know, just what is it? How does it work? Like, is it this mysterious thing or is there just a lot of common sense to it? Or Sure. Well, you know, it's um, a lot of people ask the question, you know, chicken or the egg, which comes first? Do you go hunt down the people, the, the tenants, or do the tenants come to you? And we get it both ways. Um, and so typically in our development process, we have um, two or three different approaches that we take to it. We go out and we secure raw land, mm-hmm. um, and then we come up with a plan to develop that land. Uh, or we have a, um, a potential tenant come to us and say, hey, we want to be in this particular area mm-hmm. or this particular community, and we go out and secure the land for them and then develop the land for them. So, and this is getting in the weeds a little bit, but why, do, why don't they just buy the land themselves because they don't have the expertise in one negotiating the land uh-huh. or planning the land sometimes so we in our world in our realm we have that expertise so we we can go out and negotiate the best cost for them on the land mm-hmm. we can plan the land we have the engineers and um, and uh, civil engineers set mm-hmm. ready to develop the site and uh, and it, we we have all the pieces together so they would rather contract with us to do that or pay us a premium mm-hmm. in order to, to develop that property. And then do they lease it from you or do they buy it from so, you? Or? Sometimes they buy it, sometimes they lease it. Gotcha. Sometimes we'll sell, uh, just sell a piece of property. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So you guys are all, almost a little bit like real estate agents in some regard. Well, we, we have an in-house broker okay. uh, who handles a lot of that and he does uh, he does exactly that. He is he goes out and he'll search and hunt down the people that, that maybe mm-hmm. we want to bring into the community. Uh, and he always has a, his ear to the ground on people that want to come into the community as well. Mm-hmm. And he operates kind of that arm, and he's the relation between the tenant and our company. Gotcha. What What are people looking for? You know, what are companies looking for when they're doing that? that they're looking at demographics. Uh-huh. And that's what it all comes down to, really, mm-hmm. is demographics. Uh, how many cars drive by the site every day? Um, how many uh, rooftops are in the area? What's the median wage? Um, how many people are in each household? What are, what are the schools like in the in the area? Mm-hmm. So when a company, especially ones that we deal with that are regional or national, 
uh, tenants, when they come in, those are the metrics that they're looking at to try to decide gotcha. uh, where they want to be. How does Jackson stack up? I mean, I-40 gives us a great, okay. incredible visibility. Um, and so that's why you see a lot of development around I-40 yeah. is because of those traffic counts and those housing numbers. Um, I-40, 50,000 cars a day drive down I-40. So that's a huge exposure, yeah. um, a huge tax, potential tax base for the city of Jackson to grab off of. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's why you've seen so much development on I-40. Um, mm-hmm. Conversely, you know, as you kind of come over and you get into some smaller, more neighborhood uh, areas of town, then you look at like down 45, 25 to 30,000 cars a day that drive up and down 45 bypass coming in through downtown all the way up uh, into uh, into North Jackson mm-hmm. and, and across over in front of Kroger over there. So you can kind of see where, you know, the, the mass of development happens where those cars at and where those houses are at. Yeah. They look at, you know, property value as well and, and trying to determine where they'd like to locate. So who's coming? Huh. <laughs> well, I can't divulge all that, okay. but you know, there there are we're constantly seeing new businesses become interested mm-hmm. in Jackson. Uh, there's new businesses that pop up within Jackson. Um and uh and you know, as Usually what we see, a good correlation, is if there's one in Memphis and there's one in Nashville, mm-hmm. then Jackson's primed to have one. Okay. And a lot of that has to do with their distribution network as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, as you would think, like uh, like Publix, for instance. You know, Publix is somebody that we've, that everybody has come to us and said, hey, when can we get a Publix? You yeah. Know? Well, uh, Kroger currently has a market dominated yeah. in that regard. Uh, they have, their distribution net, network is set up for them mm-hmm. to be highly efficient. Uh, in that way, and uh, and Publix uh, doesn't have that network that extends. And that's you know, a big deal. And that's groceries. a big deal with a grocery store. Yeah. So as soon as Publix, uh, when when their distribution boundary crosses Jackson, then I would see that 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 would become mm-hmm. that would become a play for Jackson. Gotcha. But people ask you that kind of question. Oh, every day. Yeah. yeah. When when are we getting this? Our own family members do it. You know, we'll we'll go out of town and see something and. Uh, and you know, my wife will be asking me, well, can we get this, you know, chicken salad chick? And we just, we just got one of those, you know, yeah. so we're, we're constantly working towards, uh, bringing those types of businesses to Jackson. So really the goal then is to sell your wife on something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> if she wants it, we'll do it. We'll move heaven and earth to try to get it. Right. <laughs> um, and then, but so one of the things we were talking in the break about, you know, the way buildings are going up and things of that nature a lot of that is retail space, mm-hmm. um, but retail and I'm in I'm a digital marketer for the most part, and I know that retail is is a, is a changing animal. And so, if a lot of your stuff is going in that's retail and that's changing, how does that affect what you guys do? Well, we see it, you know, primarily in footprint size, mm-hmm. um, especially in the big box realm, which we focus pretty heavily on. Um, you know, the columns, Best Buy, for instance, Best Buy. Uh, they have become almost a showroom. Yeah. Uh, they've really reduced the amount of product that they keep on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, they become a showroom or a pickup location or a distribution hub. And you're seeing that really happen across uh, a lot of these previously large footprint um, industries, uh, whether it's electronics or clothing. They're, they're, they're starting to turn those into, uh, into distribution hubs and showrooms. And then on the backside of that, 
when they build a new building, their prototypes are shrinking. Mm -hmm. So where you would have a 25,000 square foot building now, Hey, let's, let's dial that down to 15,000. You know, we don't need all this space. And, And so you start to see kind of a transition out of large footprint stores into some smaller, more efficiently run stores. Which I think probably is better in the long run for you guys, because if you own the lease on the property, it's going to be a lot easier to find something for a smaller building than the size of one of those. Well, that's true, but but on uh, you know at, from a community standpoint, though, if we yeah. look at it, um, you know when these things start to downsize, what happens to those large boxes? And yeah. So that's something that we're always asking ourselves too. Mm-hmm. Uh, something you might not have had to think about right. 15 years ago. 15, 20 years ago, that would, wouldn't even have crossed your mind. You yeah. could have backfilled this mm-hmm. space. Um, you know, the, the Union uh, building that's over next to Moe's, that used to be a Circuit City. Yes. And so Circuit City, they went down. Mm-hmm. Trying to find someone to fill that space is a difficult yeah. ask, especially when you're asking, hey, can you fill 20,000 square feet? A perfectly good building. A perfectly fine building. It doesn't make a lot building. of sense to tear it down. Right, exactly. So... I think that really is in the in the next ten to fifteen years. That's going to be the problem that we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna to have to wrap our heads around is what do we do with vacant space? We've already seen that around the mall area mm-hmm. with this, the infamous service merchandise building. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how do we start to adapt those empty spaces to mm-hmm. our spatial needs? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be the the real problem for the next generation. Have you seen any cities that are are doing something about that? There, there are um, there are developers and there are cities that aim at that. And usually what they do is they end up bringing in multiple uses to fill that space. Mm-hmm. And that may be civic uses or, um, you know, they may they may put a police station in there or a lab, backfill it with a library. Uh-huh. Uh, they've turned them into uh, in a residential um, office space. Mm-hmm. So so you can't directly it's, it's hard to put it plug back in another retail into yeah. a large spot yeah. like that. But there are other uses and, and typologies that you can plug into that. Well, and you just brought up something that I wanted to, to cover because, like, you guys are a private business. Um, and I feel like a lot of the stuff that you're dealing with is a lot of stuff that maybe the city or the chamber are dealing with. So I guess you guys have a relationship with them. Or mm-hmm. What's that like? Yeah, sure. We're, we're uh, you know, we're members of the chamber. Mm-hmm. We work with them uh, as far as economic development goes. And, um and then we have a great working relationship with the city. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a great working relationship with the uh, the planning department, and we have to maintain those in order for the city. The city has certain needs that they require from us, yeah. and we have certain things that we need from the city. And mm-hmm. so we have to. It's a symbiotic relationship that we both have to maintain in order to get the best possible outcome for Jackson. I think the phrase is public-private partnership. Right, exactly. That's it. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. So, all right, well, well, Paul, let's head into the last break. We'll come back and we're going to talk about what you see coming for the city, but not specific retailers. So between the Tennessee and Mississippi rivers, this is our Jackson home. back at our Jackson home. I'm here with Paul Taylor. He works at Gary A. Taylor Investment Company. Uh, one of the things that you're involved with in the community that you mentioned in the first segment was the Terranopolis Project. Mm-hmm. That's a weird word. What does it mean? Well, uh, Ryan uh, Falaster should be here to explain the naming of that, but ter- Terranopolis, so it comes from two words, Terran, mm-hmm. which is earthen, and Opolis, which is city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Earthen City is kind of where that name uh, originated from. But, uh, but the project started uh, with, with 
Ryan, uh, and his daughter started writing stories together as when she was young. Okay. And they were created almost similar to like a line, the witch in the wardrobe esque story mm-hmm. that began to develop over years and years. And they created characters and, and places and all these dreams of what this world would be like. And, uh, as dogmatic as Ryan is and, and taking down everything and mm-hmm. journaling all this, he had his daughter do the same. So she has journal upon journal of all these fantastic stories. And so, uh, Ryan, uh, approached me. He had already had a group together um, to uh, to help them start to cr- what what does the park look like that would manifest from this story that he and his daughter created. Okay. And uh, and so over the past uh, couple of years, we've been working on one designing that that space, um, two acquiring um, the property to put that put that play space in, and three finding the fabricator to that that we need to get that thing built. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, if you're interested, you know, you go to our website, terranopolis.com, mm-hmm. uh, and we've got some slideshows and a video there okay. on, on our sketches. Um, and so at the present, we've, uh, we're still in the final stages of design. We have, uh, we have acquired property, um, f- through the city that's behind the, the amphitheater downtown. Okay. Uh, there's a little triangle of land that's on the backside of the amphitheater hill. Uh, there's a couple of pine trees there that will, that's where the park's going to go. Okay. Um, we're, we're right now in the fundraising stage mm-hmm. and, um, and we've, um, been working with, uh, the sculptors from the city museum in St. Louis Love that place. to bring down their art skills and their sculpting skills to yeah. help us bring this to life. And so if you've not been there and you you take that yeah. trip back up North, that's what I would, I, yeah. I'd go the, to that for sure. The city it's museum awesome. is amazing. Now I feel like as an, like I, I get a little nervous, but I feel like it would cause you some mental angst if as an engineer and yeah. a, a tra- you know, yeah, exactly. We went down and spoke with them about in a, coming from that engineering background, going uh-huh. down and seeing all this. And I'd been to it before, so I kind of knew what to expect, but yeah. we had to, we got a chance to walk through it with the sculptors. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I was constantly, how, how do you guys get this thing? You know, can that little tunnel be supported 50 feet in the air by just some rebar and wire? And and it all and they do. They have everything engineer checked. And, That's and it's a, It's amazing, yeah. They have a little bit different process than most people would typically go through. But, yeah, they have it all checked. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and licensed and stamped and everything. So we're... You're looking at those type of people coming and doing the Terranopolis project. Right. And, and so at the present, what we're looking at is uh, the relationship would be we would, they have an understanding of what we're trying to achieve. Uh-huh. Um, we're giving them the specific information that they need for the site and they'll fabricate those in St. Louis and then break them into pieces and bring them down here and, and uh, reassemble it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's going to be fun. So you're fundraising right now. We're fundraising right now. Do you, can you say what a total for this project is looking? Well, for? we're looking at two hundred thousand right now. That okay. gets that gets the uh, the pods which you'd see on our website mm-hmm. and our entry gate going. Um, we have subsequent phases that are over and above that. Mm-hmm. We'd like uh, like to address. There's a creek that runs on the backside. Eventually, in another phase, we'd like to address that. And then there's also a um, an old bridge that connects that side, our park side, to the dog park side on the on the other side of this, the creek. And we'd like to, to, you know, do something with that as well. Very cool. Yeah. And then additionally downtown, we had Mount Altabell on and, and, um, and Megan on recently. And, 
And you, uh, we talked about the local, but my understanding is that you designed those locals. Right. Uh, so Matt and I, um, we started having breakfast. Oh, it must have been a year, two years ago. And we'd have a breakfast every week. And, uh, and we'd just sit down and brainstorm about stuff. What could we do? What can we do here? Uh, what, what, could, what could happen on this lot? And, uh, and a, a grant opportunity came across our desk where we were looking at um, entrepreneurship. Uh, and so when we looked at the local, we wanted it to accomplish a couple of things. One was to bring uh, an entre- entrepreneurship component to downtown. Uh, two was to really lower the overhead for a startup business. Uh, what I see in my own business is when somebody comes in, usually they bite off more than they can chew. Mm-hmm. When it's their first brick and mortar location. And uh, you see this a lot with restaurants and kind of that turnover is because their space is way too big for what they're producing on the front end. Mm-hmm. So we kind of took that that thought and applied it to the local. And so we have smaller footprint, lower overhead spaces uh, for rent uh, to artisans and local entrepreneurs. Um, another component that we wanted to uh, to address was the the vacant lots downtown. We have a couple of vacant lots that were uh, where a previous building stood before a tornado. Uh, and one of those happens to be across from the farmer's market, across from Jackson Records there. Um, I think it's uh, it's Lafayette and Shannon Street, and uh, and so we took that lot and we said we want to we want to start to fill in some of the the holes that that the the tornado has left in our city, mm-hmm. uh, and so the, the local tries to accomplish that as well. Um, so it's multifaceted. Um, we're at the point now where we've we've completed all the construction documents, all the construction drawings. We're submitting for permitting actually uh, this week. And so we're, we've got about a two-month outlook until the thing's up and going. That's exciting. And it's, it's really exciting. We've kind of been going, going through our, uh, uh, going through getting, getting all of our tenants lined up, and, uh, and we're, we're really excited about what the future holds for that. Yeah. Yeah. Downtown. Um, downtown is an exciting place to be right now. Yeah. Um, and then, so, Paul, real quickly, what do you see coming in the future for Jackson? Well, I, I see continued development mm-hmm. um, in, in just about every part of Jackson. I mean, you're going to, obviously, you're going to see it continue out north uh, in areas um, uh, over there by the old Kroger, Thompson Farms, north of that, um, Smith Farms, we have a development that we've got slated for 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see more development down Van Drive. Uh, we're working on some stuff for the next phase of the columns. Columns two? This will be columns three. Oh, columns Column, three, okay. Columns two is is from Fairfield in down uh, past Gander Mountain. Okay. Uh, so the next phase is, is kind of around the corner there. So we're, we've got that queued up. Uh, as we move further south, I see Hicksville. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hicksville's kind of a critical knuckle in Jackson. Uh, and even north of that... Uh, Might in, have been underloved for a little while. It, it was a little underloved. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of potential in Hicksville. There's a lot of residences. As I go back to what a businesses mm-hmm. look at, there's a lot of residences around Hicksville. Um, I see that starting to have some potential development opportunities. Uh, downtown, of course, um, downtown is where we're still on, I like to say we're still on the upward slope. We haven't quite reached the pinnacle yet, okay. but we're climbing to that. Yeah. And that's what's exciting for us is to keep climb, keep making that climb. You know, we've, um, uh, how Crocker and Henry Tarley are about to start uh, their second phase of the Jackson Walk Apartments. Um, We've got some new businesses that are interested in coming down there, new restaurants. Mm-hmm. And then even moving further south than that, we get into South Jackson. And South Jackson, 
has has seen some steady development over the past two years. Yeah. Um, they've added a couple of new restaurants. They've added some new retail down there. And their numbers, when you look at their demographic numbers, they're, they they could take they could take some additional development. And so I think uh, you know you're going to see continued development across the city, mm-hmm. um, and that means in, in continued tax dollars, and uh, and you know and just more more entertainment, more retail, yeah, uh, and you know more opportunities. Yeah, better quality of life. Better quality of life. Well, Paul, thank you so much for um, helping to make Jackson a better place and choosing to call it home. I appreciate it. Thank you. Today's podcast was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger. Our intro music was performed by Aaron Harden. It's recorded live at The Co. To find out more about The Co., visit their website at www.atthecoe.com. To find out more about our Jackson home and read more about how amazing Jackson is, visit ourjacksonhome.com.